Hello, Simon. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Me and Johnny Weissmuller, one of the same thing. You know, when you see us oh, in yeah. trunks, you can barely tell us apart. Really? Is that true? <laughs> no, I'm the fat one on the left, and I'm still yeah. alive. Other than that, we're almost identical. Oh, I thought that was the point. I thought he couldn't tell you apart because you <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I, I have <laughs> the same pallor as somebody who may have passed recently, but uh, I'm still alive and well and kicking. But anyway, why are we here today? We're here because you made me listen to Mike Rutherford's Small Creeps Day. I did. So this is episode 2.3 Gosh. of the Revelation Station podcast. Do you know, this is our 48th episode. Oh, all this gibberish is just blurring into one for me. <laughs> all I know is that so we... this is the 48th weekend I've had to spend inside talking to you. <laughs> when it's it's yeah, actually so... nice outside yet again. The sun yeah. had broken through the clouds that were there this morning to beam down into my back garden onto my beer-drinking table where I should be sat right now, but I'm instead <laughs> looking at you on my phone while talking gibberish. All right, it's pre-planned gibberish, but gibberish yep. about Mike Rutherford. Yes. What better way to spend a Saturday afternoon? Did you not <laughs> listen to my previous statement? Uh, I did, and I was a bit worried that you've got a table that's drinking your beer outside. I think no, uh, no, 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 no. You should, you're, you should you're, look you're, into that. You're misinterpreting that. At the what? You know, I'm just going to gloss over that. Yes, it's a beer drinking table. You you, oh, you think of that how you want to think of that. <laughs> I'm not sure quite yeah. what it says about your state of mind, but there you go. Anyway, yeah. moving swiftly on. So, Small Creeps Day by Mike Rutherford. Oh, we're back His on that, first... are we? Yep. Yeah, the, the whole point of the recording. I it. did wonder what the point was, but carry on, carry on. <laughs> you pretend like there's got a point. There's a point to this. Go on. <laughs> so, Small Creeps Day by Mike Rutherford. His first solo album. Uh, it was released on the 15th of February 1918. It was recorded at Polar Studios in 1979 at, at the same time that Tony Banks was recording his A Curious Feeling album. I wonder if they could hear each other through the wall. I know that's... Bang not... on the, bang know on the wall. <laughs> Shut up in there! Shut up! I'm trying to put down a bass part! Shut up, Mike the Classic! Keep your trash down! That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it Maybe. must have been interesting. You know, when they came out for a, for a quick drink or a cigarette or whatever, halfway through recording, mm. how's your album going, Mike? Oh, mine's going amazingly well. How's yours? <laughs> I'm going back inside! Sort of, sort of thing <laughs> yeah. going on. It's really hard coordinating all the people you've got to get working with you. You know, I've just got, you know, I've got, I've got this guy working on drums, and he, he's really talented and everything. But you know, just getting him in on time. Oh well, I'm just doing it all myself. <laughs> <laughs> How's that going? I'm going to go inside now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so like Tony's album, this was based on a book. Well, yes, Day. say that. Yes, I do say, say that. that. I do. But that's not entirely that. true, is it? Because he wrote the music and then looked for a concept to put it around. So he'd already got yeah. the tracks laid down. He'd already got in his mind the music and he got these three-minute sections, which is quite a blessing, really, because we're not used to things <laughs> coming out of Genesis minds that are less than 20 minutes. <laughs> um, so he's got these three-minute little bits that he wanted to use and he thought... Uh, what can I do with these? Oh, I know. How about a form a concept? It's interesting to go that way around. I didn't know if you normally mm. go that way around. Do the music and then Cheat. think of a concept. Cheating, if you ask me. It goes, well, it is kind of cheating, <laughs> but it seems to have worked here. So, you know, interestingly, it's only the first side of this album that's the concept. That's correct. It is only the first side, but only if you've got the UK 
version of that. Have you got the US version? The sides were swapped. Really? Yes. For some reason in the USA, they swapped them around so that the, the thinking day side that? was the second side. But I don't know why. It seems a bit odd to me. I, I um, can't understand why you'd switch them around. It's not like, yeah. musically, I can't see why you'd do that. Yeah. Because it's not like the two sides are so intrinsically different that you get a different sound. Yeah. And the, what they end up with as a last track really does come across as quite a good last track. Hmm. Um, which, we'll, which we'll get into. But but to me, it, it, I could understand it if it was like Supper's Ready and it was all one long track with no real breaks in between and it went on for 20 minutes and then it were ended. Because I kind of think, oh, it's a bit of, bit of an ask to get somebody to listen to a 20-minute track first off. But they're not like that. They're kind of separate, aren't they? Works for Rush. No, yeah, it's true, yeah, I suppose. But having said that, the first side, even though it is this concept, it's a very loose concept. If you didn't Mm. know it was a concept, you wouldn't know it was a concept. It's not obviously apparent, is it? No, to be fair, I didn't know it was a concept for years and years and years. No, the tracks... I didn't realise. The tracks don't... I mean, there's a lot to be said about the lyrics on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things you can say about these, I think it's six tracks, or is it seven tracks, that seven. comprise the Small Creeps saga, if you like, mm-hmm. um, the lyrics don't lend themselves to telling a story as such, do they? No. So no. you would be forgiven no. for not realising that this was a concept or semi, concept semi-album? Semi-concept yeah. album? Con-semi-sept album. I don't know. Consumicept. Consumicept yeah. album. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, so I, I would, if I was the person sitting down and listening to this for the first time, I would just ignore anything to do with the concept and mm. just listen to the album. Yeah. Yes, agreed. And it's not, they don't really flow into each other so much either. So it's not obvious, apparently, that it is a concept album to start no. off with. A concept side to start off with, is it? So. No, I don't think so. It's basically, it's not really a story as such, is it? No. So you, no. you would struggle to find the yeah. story in these seven tracks. Yeah, the lyrics don't tell a story. No, not at all. There, there are seven individual tracks that are mm. we are informed are a concept, but I will yes. have to take their word for it. Yes. So the book, also called Small Creeps Day, was by a man called Peter Curl Brown. Um, he didn't write anything else or publish anything else, at least. Um, he was a committed anti-nuclear activist, and he spent six months in prison for blocking the entrance to the Atomic Energy Research Establishment. Oh, I hate um, it when you block an entrance. So, um, so yeah, the story's about a man called Small Creep. Um, he's worked in a factory for 40 years, and one day he embarks on a quest to find out what the factory actually makes. You see, most people would say that when you join a company, the first thing you find <laughs> is what the hell you do for a living. If you work in a factory and you have no idea what it does, you're probably working for MI5 or something. Yes. It's probably best you don't find out what it is you're doing. Or well, some sort of terrorist organisation. Yeah, you generally end up missing body parts and in the bottom of a river. If you work for yeah. those sorts of organisations, then you find out what they do. So um, Exactly. I, I would have just well, carried on doing what I was doing. Well, I have never read the book, so I don't know whether it's any good or not. I have never... Never well, even heard of the book until Mike, this Rutherf- Mike album. Rutherford said when he was putting this together and he was deciding to put this concept together based on this book, he said mm. that although it wasn't a particularly brilliant book and not a particularly brilliant read, he rather liked the feel 
of the overall story rather than mm. the writing itself. So he, even he says it's not a great book, but it's, you know, it's mm. an interesting concept, if not yeah. a great read. I wonder if it's worth seeking out. I would say reading. probably not. Yeah, I can't be bothered, to be honest. No, there's, <laughs> there's so many books to read that you just haven't got time to seek some of these things out, especially yeah. if they're not something other people would think of as an interesting read. And Mike Rutherford mm. says himself, it's not a great read. Also, apparently the book has a really downbeat, unhappy ending, whereas Mike tries to make it a bit more happy. He, I think at the end of end of Mike's version, he just goes home. Yeah, well, certainly <laughs> musically, it's, it's a brighter ending. I don't know lyrically whether it is. It doesn't mm. feel it, but musically it ends mm. on a high note. So I think he... I think he made the right choice because if he'd yeah. gone along with the the story as originally planned, with the downbeat mm. ending, it could have this because it easily sounded like a Genesis album. Yeah, if you know what I mean, because Genesis do yeah. do songs which aren't don't necessarily have an upbeat ending. Yeah, they um, do. And and this this sort of like throws it for a loop by going, you know, I'm not going to go that because we've done this before. I'm going to go with an mm. upbeat ending. So way to stick so. it to Genesis. <laughs> trying to make his mark. Trying to make his mark. <laughs> but speaking of Genesis, Mike's collaborator on this album was Anthony Phillips. Yeah, uh, long-time member of Genesis, or rather long-ago uh, member of Genesis. One of the original yeah. founders, in fact. So the album managed to get to number 13 in the UK album charts, and it got to number 163 in the USA. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good in the UK charts. It, mm. it wasn't critically well-received. No, it wasn't. Um, but significantly, those two places, the UK and the USA, were both better than Tony and Steve's first solo albums have done. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, so, so far, he's only behind Peter in terms of sales. <laughs> well, I think, well, when we when we delve into the album itself, I think mm. we'll understand why it did better yeah. or seemed to do better anyway. Mm. Because, well, you know, it'll just... It'll yeah. depend on how we feel about these tracks and how we, as Genesis fans, view yeah. this album. That reminds me, I think I've got something in my box of tapes. Another missing extract from history. Hang on, let me have a look. Uh, um, not in there, there, not in there. Uh, saw it yesterday. Here it is, here it is. Listen to this. Right hand, Tony's album didn't do very well. He's just had the sales figures back and read the reviews. Here's some examples. Utter pig swill, Farmer's Almanac. Difficult to listen to, Audiologist Monthly. I knew it was going to be bad, Psychic News. He's taking it surprisingly well though from the sounds of it. Oh yeah, he's really zen about it actually. Uh, anyway, about my first solo album. Well, I'm all ready to go with yours, Mike. I've read the book you based it on, and I've had some great ideas. The ending's very downbeat, though. It might be better to jolly it up a bit. Yes, about that. I don't think I want to go in that direction at all. The kids are all listening to punk and stuff. I thought I'd do a punk album. I bought some skinny jeans and bother boots, and next week I'm having my head shaved into a Mohican. 
Look, I even have this pierced. Good God. Did you do that to yourself with a nappy pin? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think I'd have taken the nappy off first. I've even started writing a punk song. Listen, tell me what you think. I hate everyone. It's what I feel. I'm hangry. Maybe I need a meal. I spit on the floor and I won't clean it up. Even if I have access to a mop. Fantastic. Uh, but are you sure about this? It's a lot different from Tony's. That's kind of the point. I don't want my album to bomb too. Well, I suppose it's easy to be wise after the event. But what about the Genesis fans? Your fans? They want to hear what you do best. What about the idea we discussed? You were going to give me all the details about that today. Uh, still like the punk, but... Okay, it's an epic that Genesis fans are going to love. We're going to do... Yes? Supper's Ready 2! Supper's Ready 2? Yeah, The Revenge of Magog. Incredible. A biography of the X-Men character in music. Wild. No, no, you're thinking of Magneto. Magog was in the Old Testament. Old Testament, eh? Well, I might have to rearrange some of my ideas, but I think we could still make it work. Supper's ready too. More supper. Isn't that technically breakfast? What? No! I know what I like, and I like what I know. People love overblown, grandiose epics that go on for 40 minutes and overuse synthesizers, don't they? Those days are gone, and they're better left alone, if you ask me. Keep it short. Hmm. You really think it's not worth doing? I had planned for Magog to rise out of the ocean, breathing fire and stomping about. He was going to flatten Tokyo and fight a giant three-headed lizard. Isn't that Godzilla? No... I don't think so. You need to play to your strengths, Mike. Strap on the bass and let's get recording. No, that's what Tony did and look how that played out. But you're not Tony, Mike. Your sound will be fresh and new. Shorter, unlike anything heard before. Oh, I don't know. I'm not used to this business of making decisions. Is it right to do a whole song on one side of an album? What about the drum sounds? I just don't know. Come on, Mike, you can do this. You're a real talent. You've got so many new ideas you can bring to the table. You don't need the others making all the choices. Come on, man. What have you always wanted to do that the others have always stopped you doing? Well, I've always wanted to use a cowbell in there somewhere. Brilliant. That's just the sort of out-of-the-box thinking I expect from you, Mike. What would I do without you, Ant? Well... That was interesting, wasn't it? Well, that sets the cat among the pigeons, doesn't it? It does a little bit. Mm. So Mike's going, wanted to try a different sound altogether. Yeah. If it wasn't for Anthony. We'd have had a completely different first album. Some right. would have said quite a breakout from what they were expecting. Mm, very different. Mm. I would like to have heard more of his punk stylings myself. Well, still a couple of years later as well, because by 1980, punk was pretty much out. Yeah. Anyway. But, you know, more Genesis have not been really up to date, have they? No, they've not. They've not. But, mm. they, yeah. That was another interesting little uh, archive there. Where are, where are you getting these from? Ah, 
I've got a, a certain little source. I refer to him as Deep Throat. Mm. I'm not going any further into that. <laughs> so, other than Aunt Phillips, who else was involved in this album? Well, the vocalist is a chap called Noel McCalla, who, interestingly, was apparently considered as a replacement for Peter Gabriel in Genesis. He was originally, um, but was, yeah. that's not the first choice that uh, Mike wanted for this album, was it? Uh, he wanted a, a guy called Chris Thompson, who played with Manfred Mann. He was, but he thought that might be a little bit too well known, so he went mm. for this guy. And I think he made yeah. the right choice. You know what I do as well, actually? Um, I wonder if Noel McCalla was the person who they refer to from time to time in the histories when they talk about they got somebody in to record Trick of the Tail tracks. Yeah. He didn't quite work out once once they'd got him into the studio. I wonder if that was him. Hmm. It's hard to say because um, I think he's got a great voice. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah. We, I mean, he played with another band, and, and the name of the band escapes me. Scratch and Sniff yeah. or something like that, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Sniffing the Tears, I think it was. I think that was it, yeah. And mm. um, I, I'm surprised we haven't heard more from him because that's a good mm. voice he's got there. Funnily enough, he ended up with Manfred Mann as Did well. Did he really? Um, so, which quite... A coincidence, really. If only I'd heard more Manfred Mann, I'd have probably heard more of him then. <laughs> He's got a very similar voice to Kim Beacon that Tony used on A Curious Feeling, but he's got a better range. Better range, and I think he's better produced um, mm. because his well, vocals come along much stronger than what was on Tony's album. I don't yeah, know if it's well, down David to production Henschel. or whether the fact that he was a better singer on the day. But Possibly. I think the vocals on this album come across much better than what was on Tony's album. I mean, it's the same producer. It's David Henschel again. So it makes me wonder if perhaps David Henschel worked more as an engineer on Tony's album and didn't actually do much production. Or maybe Tony... Tony's been right all these years and everybody was plotting against him. <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, I actually think Noel McCallum's pretty good, certainly on this album. I think he's all right. I think he does a great um, job. Interestingly, they've got Simon Phillips on drums. Yes. But in the cast, in the listing, they've got hmm. Morris Pert on percussion. What's yes. the difference between between percussion and drums. Well, as Mike wanted to use more cowbell, as we just heard in that archive tape, um, I think that's probably what he brought Morris Pert in for, to do the cowbell. Oh, right. Okay. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. Well, it yeah. works anyway, because I, I think there's yeah, a good sound on this album. There is, yeah. It's a it's good a combination. Nice, I mean, it's a nice rounded sound, I think. Yeah, Simon Phillips is a... Um, well, and Morris Pert as well, but Simon Phillips has worked with so many varied acts as a, a session musician. He's, you know, he's worked with Judas Priest, John Anderson... Uh, Mike Oldfield, The Who, and he was the drummer in Toto for several years. Um, I so love he's Toto. With, he's played with loads of bands. Um, love Toto. Had... Brilliant in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. And your little dog, too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people who they've worked with before, the cover again mm -hmm. by Hypnosis. Yeah. Why? Um, I want to know. They took this cover and apparently it was a photo and they covered mm. it in photographic film and exposed it so only bits were showing through. Yeah. But why did they start with a photo of Woody Allen leaning over a cherry picker? <laughs> I don't know. It That's does a... look stunningly oh, like got... an older Woody Allen. This cover's a bit meh for me. Um, it's I th I used to think it was a photograph of a man leaning over a balcony on a house, photographed through through trees, you know, through the trees, through leaves. Yeah. And it was really disappointing when I studied it a bit closer. And oh, it's just a, a, an old dude in a factory. Yeah, it's some old dude in a cherry some picker. On it. it probably right, yeah. plays to the original concept mm. of this album. Well, yes, it's a factory, However, isn't it? it looks like somebody getting ready to hurl. But yeah, the cover's meh. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. it's no weirder than Peter Gabriel looking at the back of a car looking like he's about to be kidnapped. So, you know. That's true. Yeah, th- this one's not quite as iconic as uh, as the Peter album, though, I don't think. No. But it's brown. Yeah. It's like the worst colour for an album cover. Brown. It's kind of a rusty, rustic brown. Brown. Yeah, all right. I mean, brown. fair enough. It's not as brown as um, Yes songs. Yeah, but yeah. Which but... is almost entirely brown. Yeah. He makes a brown album cover. Oh, wait. Marillion. Marillion do about loads of brown album covers. See? Brown's yeah. hip and stylish. <laughs> you were dissing hip brown. To be brown. It's, it's hip to be brown, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike says he found the album a little difficult to make because he wasn't yeah. used to making all the decisions. Yeah, that was band... interesting. He was he was so used to the input from the rest of the band. Mm. And it's, it, when, you, when he was talking about it, it sounded like he was more used to grabbing his guitar and sitting in the background and plunking on that while the others argued mm. over the various sounds. Um, yeah. He did say he found this because he was now in the centre seat and they're going, hey, Mike, what do you think about this? And he was sort of going, yeah. what, what do I think? Um, yeah, what, what I do don't you know. Think? I've never been asked before. Um, sounds <laughs> yeah. good. But that that seems to be the way that the the difference in the way that Mike and Tony work, though, doesn't it? Because when we did calling all stations, we referenced the fact that Ray Wilson said that Tony Banks wanted things doing exactly as he set them out. So Tony Banks had recorded a demo, and he say to Ray Wilson, "This is the, this is the vocal line. I want you to sing exactly that vocal line. That's exactly how I want it to sound." But Mike was a bit more freeform and said, "Yeah, this is how I'd like it to sound. Play around with it. Put your own stamp on it. Do things a bit more differently." So perhaps in this situation, he's going in and he's saying to these guys, you know, Simon Phillips and Morris Pert, and saying, "Right, okay, I've got this idea for a song. This is what it sounds like. What do you think?" And they're going, "Well, I don't know. You're the boss. What do you think?" I don't know. I want your input. That may be the case because while we were listening to Tony's last week, which was very structured, Mm. this sounds like they had some fun doing it. Yes, the emotionlessness. Snussness. If Tony's album isn't present here at all, I don't yeah. think. I think that was the best way of describing. We didn't use it, but I think that was a good way of describing yeah. Tony's album as sterile. Yes. It, it, it's yes. Very, it's very. This is how I wrote it. This is how you perform it. Don't don't mm. don't get creative. Um, yeah. Whereas There's no emotion. This one it. feels like they sat sat down and went, "This is good, but hey, why don't we do this?" Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a good idea. And you get yeah. this feeling that there was a lot more fun involved in producing this album. Mm. I mean, although all the tracks were written by Mike, he's obviously been open to collaboration. Yeah, He's obviously been open to people adding their own little bits and bobs into it. Um, whereas Tony obviously wasn't, and it came off a bit, like you say, sterile. That's probably the best word to describe Tony's album. Yeah. Which is odd, because... Tony's album was about an emotional journey that a man was taking. Without emotion. Exactly. And this is about a man going through a sterile factory environment to find out what's going on. But with lots of emotion. <laughs> lots of emotion. So it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, very odd. So do we want to get into the tracks at this point? Yeah, let's get into these tracks. Okay. So the first side, as we say, the first seven tracks on the first side are all part of the Small Creeps Day Suite. So the first track is Between the Tick and the talk. It's so very dark in here There's water on the wall I can see no light And what's that sound 
an idea of what you thought of this album based on yes. a comment last week because I haven't heard mm. this album before, right? So this is the first time ever you've heard it. It's the first time ever. And not only that, but yesterday was the... Because I've had such a busy week, yesterday was the first mm. time as I was painting the walls. Yes. With the I put my headphones on. I thought, I've got to listen to this or Sammy's going to scream at me if I don't listen to this <laughs> album. So I thought, I better listen to this. And I started listening to it and I thought, oh dear, me and Simon are going to argue over this album now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I thought we we're going to come at it, but from the comments you've said so far, I'm not sure mm. we're going to argue quite as much as I thought mm. we were. And mm. I'll start with this track. I love All this right. track. Do you? Do I you really like this? A nice keyboard mm. and vocal intro. Yeah, and it's just yeah. a nice musical piece. It's nice, mysterious. Mm. It kind of says I'm leading on to a story. All right, that doesn't really come across in the rest of the tracks but this is a lovely little intro to what could be a story piece um Mm. you're kind of filled with this anticipation as well as as this little track builds love it loved it see i thought it sounded like the soundtrack to the tripods off the bbc in the 80s you were a massive Um, tripod (laughs) fan though weren't you i love I love the tripod, yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but that's what I thought it sounded like. That whole keyboard sound just reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite a low-key atmospheric introduction to the album. I thought it was very promising, the vocals. Yeah. Um, the first, first suggestion that maybe this is the right choice for this album this vocalist definitely yeah um, i mean it they say the keyboard and the vocals start off and it mm. immediately draws you in you feel like this is going to be interesting because it sounds very different from what you're going to expect from a genesis member um, yeah. unlike tony's album last week was exactly what you expected from a genesis member this mm-hmm. already feels like well this could be quite interesting even though nothing mm. really happens in this first track It's a nice scene setter. Don't you think it's odd, though, that both Tony and Mike, members of Genesis, Genesis always start their album with something that hits you in the face straight away. We've said before, sometimes it's the best track on the album. Yeah, we have. Many times we've said that. And both of their albums don't start like that at all. They start off a lot more low key. Yeah, I mean this more... this is this is an essentially a non track. It's mm. it's basically a scene setter. Yeah. And I think it works brilliantly. Even though the rest of the mm. album doesn't carry off that scene, um, yeah. 
I love this intro. I think it's a great intro. Well, yeah, I, to be honest, I quite liked it myself. I thought we were going to argue over this album, but I don't think we're going to argue as much as I thought we were going to argue. So that nice, promising little atmospheric start leads us into the second track, Working In Line. This track. Yeah. There's yeah. so much energy in this track. Yeah, really, really nice guitar solo in there. I as well. love that. I'm trying to think what the style of the guitaring is. It's not. It's not like. It's not like uh, Spanish guitaring. Or mm. I'm trying to think what that style is, and it's not coming to me. But I love that style. It's brilliant. Yeah. It did remind me though of um, Machine Messiah by Yes from Drama. Really. Shows that summer has gone Agent the door is resenting the face of the dawn I didn't. I didn't get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. I didn't get that when I was listening to it. I was too mm. busy, really enjoying this. It's such a lively toe tapping piece. Mm. Um, yes. You just. I love this. I mean, it makes me question why he didn't open the album with this. Like, well, this is yeah, the sort of thing. If this was if, a Genesis album, this it, would be the track that opened the album. I think. Yeah, because it's a strong track. But yeah. I think because he was trying to make that story. It mm. perfectly makes sense that he started the way he did. Mm. However, yeah. I have no idea how this track fits into the story. Because <laughs> um, no. it's uh, often when I've walked through a factory, I don't feel like dancing like this track makes me feel. Um, yeah. So I'm not quite sure which part of the factory he's working through. <laughs> it, uh, it's certainly not maintenance or anything like that, I'll tell you that. It will not surprise you to, to learn that this was actually released as a single from the album. It was the first single he released. Oh, it's it's quite an obvious single. It's it's The thing I like about this is it's, it's so lively, as we've, as we've mm. said. Um, but yeah. then you've got this musical bit in the middle, which is... Yeah. 
really nice, very nice guitar, but it's not an overstated musical piece. It's just mm. an enjoyable musical piece without this, without it being this bombastic piece that we're used to from Genesis yeah. tracks. Yeah. It's just this nice musical piece that flows really nice in this song. Mm. It doesn't I feel mean, like it, it was sounds... stuck in there. No, it sounds to me, the second half of the song as well, sounds to me like it could be off Duke. You're part of the Duke suite. Do you think so? Really? Mm. I wasn't getting that. I was too busy tapping my toe and whistling along, to be <laughs> honest. It's it's such it's such a pleasant track. I've got to say, I like this track, to be honest. Um, I enjoyed We're it. We're agreeing again. I know. That's oh, odd, this is going to go down in infamy, this, this, this <laughs> recording. If we keep agreeing on well, things. Uh, our fans are not going to like this. <laughs> our fan <laughs> is not going to like this. <laughs> uh, well, that leads us on uh, to the next track, After Hours. I mean, this is Mike now falling a little bit into the same trap that Steve and Tony fell into, isn't it? Where he's making little noodly bits of music to go between actual songs. Yeah, I think this was some of the bits that he thought he'd... You know when he, he said, I've got five or six tracks, seven tracks, yeah. and they're all three minutes or less, and I need mm. a concept... He obviously had a couple of that yeah. were like a minute or so long and thought, yeah. if I stick these in as musical interludes, it sounds like the story is progressing along. It actually mm. doesn't because we still <laughs> no. haven't found out what the story is. It's not clear exactly. in the song at all. No. Um, it's a nice enough piece. I mean, it starts yeah. with a melancholy sound, synthesizers. Um, it's really kind of a mood setting piece, mm. which, which is odd because there's no mood to set because we haven't got a yeah. story. We don't know what's going on yet. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a funny yeah. little piece. Yeah, it's just it's like right. it's just like I'm setting a mood for something that doesn't have a thing yet. But yeah, but that this is this is a nice little piece. It, it's okay. It's not really necessary on the album though. It's... Well, there's a couple of tracks like that, isn't there? The small little in, yeah. in, in musical incident ones that don't really mm. belong, but then aren't annoying enough to get rid of. They're not long enough to get rid of, more no, likely. No, they're, they're, waste not, want not, I suppose. That's it. I mean, they're fine. They're fine. They, they, mm. they don't There's go anywhere. wrong with it. Not at all. No. So In the same way that, you know, the Hands of the Priestess on Voyage of the Acolyte doesn't really do anything other than stick between two tracks. Yeah. 
It's, yeah, it's but, like the jam that holds the tracks together. It's not a very nice jam. Yeah. Interesting that um, neither Steve nor Tony nor Mike would do that again. Um, do little noodly bits between. Mm. It's, so. It kind of harkens back to the Genesis roots, though, doesn't it? The mm. little noodly instrumentals. They didn't do that on Genesis, but, you know, it's like they miss the noodly music bits. Yeah. So they think, oh. I always do little noodly music bits in my songs. So if I stick a little bit of it here, <laughs> maybe that's yeah, the thinking. Possibly, yeah. Mm. Could be, yeah. But anyway, but that leads us on to cats and rats in this neighbourhood. another nice intro and it gets you right into this song again yeah this one this one i think we will differ a little bit on i wasn't so keen on this one so much i thought the drums really spoiled it the obvious synth drums i think it made the whole track sound a bit dated and a bit flat i i, I disagree i mean this was this was 80 not mm. 84 when we got a lot of the synth drums coming out. So, I mean, this was t potentially ahead of the curve, synth-wise. Mm. Um, yeah, we, but... we weren't getting big synth sounds until, like, 80, 81, 84, around there. Yeah. So, I mean, this was just... technically quite ahead of its time i suppose but that's what makes it sound dated yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of musical instruments that were used around that time that mm. now you go nobody uses those anymore and you can yeah. you, you kind of then you can peg it can't you? you can it, pigeonhole it into a certain time frame yeah, when this exactly. was done it's potentially potentially it could just be the production of it because i think they'd sound really flat as well they don't sound as if they're you know there's no depth to the sound of them it's mm. like boom Thunk, thunk, thunk. Yeah, we are, we are going to disagree <laughs> on this track because this is another mm. one that I really like. Um, yeah, I, See, I, 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 I like the tempo it. of it, and I, I like the fact that it's quite an aggressive sound again. It's it's yeah. fast and interesting, and it's got this really nice sort of keyboard bit in it that's very reminiscent of Genesis. It's, well, it's I was going to say that the keyboard keyboards. bit, the keyboard bit in the middle. It sounds like a Genesis demo. 
yeah. to me. It yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. like it, that's but what it's, it sounds it's kind like. of like, hey, I'm doing all this stuff and here's one for the old fans sort of <laughs> yeah, thing going yeah. on. But but I I, yeah. I think it works very well and I really like this yeah. is another track I really like. Well, I don't dislike it. I, I, it's okay, but for me it was a little bit too long and the, the drums sound spoiled it a little bit well you say it's too long but i mean for genesis this is quite short (laughs) i mean even for and even for tony this is quite short there's still none of the tracks so far as long as anything tony did there's a difference between something being too long and something being a long track so you know something can be a long track but doesn't sound too long this you know you're me, talking think, gibberish now, don't you? <laughs> I just think you could have cut a couple of minutes out of this and it would have been better. I think it's it's six minutes something long. I think it probably could have been four minutes long and it would have been better. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a bit too long for me. No, I like it. It's it's another one of my favourite tracks on the album. I, do, I just like it. I think it works very well. Um, hmm. From the musical piece in the middle to the, the, yeah. the tempo of the... Whole, no, I love it. I think this is a great... Great track. I love listening to this track. Well, there you go. We shall differ on this one, sir. Fair enough. It's not the first time we've differed. We do have quite different musical tastes. Mine are better than yours, but, um, you know. I would argue that. You'd be wrong, but, you know, you could argue, <laughs> but you'd definitely be wrong there, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you can find out what our difference in musical taste is, listeners, by listening to our two Desert Island D's episodes we released a few weeks back. Yeah, I was listening to those um, because I love the sound of my voice, obviously. Mm, um, of course. And yeah, I, when I was listening to um, your choices of music, they're mm. drastically different to my choices of music. Yeah, it's surprising that we converge anywhere. <laughs> There's a big Venn diagram and Genesis are in the middle and with Marillion. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and that's the only ones we agree on, Rush. Really. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Other than that, that's about it, isn't yeah. it? Everything else yeah. is out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yet still we're friends somehow. Yeah. We're only friends because we can't get to each other at the moment. And we're only friends because <laughs> nobody else will talk to us. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We burned those bridges long ago. Oh, yeah. Burned those bridges, buried those bodies. Hmm? Well, that leads us into the next track on the album, which is Small Creep Alone. Another little musical piece. Yeah, noodling again. That's all I've got. I have to admit, this one I found a little dull. Mm. Didn't really go anywhere. It was okay. It was nice enough, but 
if this hadn't been on the album, I would not have missed it. Nah. And as we, as we said all the way through this, we, we, we're struggling to understand and follow the concept. Yeah. So this is a musical piece put in there to, to you know, show either meaning or time passing or mm-hmm. change of mood of this character that we're not following at all. Yeah. It, it makes no sense to leave this on there when your effort to make a concept album is quite clearly failed. Because um, hmm. there is no concept here. That's, no, that's not right. saying I. As we've been discussing this, I'm not saying I don't like this album. I love this album, but it's like hmm. you've tried to make a concept album, you failed abysmally, and yet you've created some decent tracks. Just hmm. ditch the concept and just do the tracks. You're still yeah. coming out with the same album. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but the thing is, though, track three and track five then wouldn't be needed on the album at all, though, would they? I don't think they are, to be honest. No. If if this album didn't have those on, Mm. you'd have made room for another track. And that leads us on to track six, Out Into the Daylight. Drum sounds, drums at the start. Ooh, what a great intro. Love the guitaring on this as well. Yeah. This, yeah. Is a, this is a really nice piece. I love it. I love the way the keyboards and the guitars are playing off each other as well. Yeah, yeah. Very nicely done. Lots of cakey changes on this one. Very nice. Yeah, there's there's lots of cakey changes. It gets um, yeah. a nice tempo changes. It's, it's really an interesting piece. I like it mm. a lot. Yeah, really great guitar playing by Mike as well. Some fantastic solos. Some of his best stuff ever, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's amazing. Um, he had he had some really interesting choices of guitars on this album, which he actually borrowed from uh, people who were helping to produce this. But I think there was a roadie who had like thousands of guitars himself, and he had a couple of interesting ones that Mike had never got, and he used those on this this album. So we get yeah. some really interesting sounds here. Yeah, it's excellent. I think for me, this is the best track on this side of the album. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a fantastic it's a really good track. piece. It sounds at the same time, it sounds again like a bit missing piece from Duke. And also, the end reminded me of Supper's Ready. It sounded like the end of Supper's Ready. Oh, everything reminds you of Supper's Ready. You've got that on the but brain. Yeah. 
the, the bit where it goes and supposedly when it goes and it's and then it goes into the guitar and then it does the final guitar fade out. I just thought the end of this song sounded like that. Yeah, I like this track. Yeah, it's a great I'm, track. I'm, yeah, okay, yeah, good. My, my favorite on this side of the album, I think. Yep, that leads us on to track seven at the end of the day, the final part of the small creep saga. How will it end? Will he get his revenge? Oh no! Who lives? Who dies? You decide. to start, isn't it? Boring. Your boring is other people's interesting. I just thought this was such a massive letdown after the last track, after Out Into the Daylight. Just a really disappointing end to the this side of the album, I thought. Well, just, you say that. But I'm it, falling it's, asleep listening to this. Well, it is, but it's, it's, it is essentially the end of the story. So it's the winding mm-hmm. down of the story that we didn't get or understand. It's the yeah. winding down of that. So it's just like saying it's coming to an end. This would essentially be the last track on an album, which yeah. is may- why maybe the Americans switched it around. Um, Potentially. And it does feel like the coming to end of a story. If mm. only we'd known what the story was. <laughs> We might yeah. have cared, but I, I agree yeah. with you. This is this is not a great track. It's an okay track, mm. um, and maybe if we'd cared about the story, this would have been a great end to that story. Yeah. But we didn't, so we don't. No. Um, but yeah, no. it's not one to skip by. I wouldn't fast forward this, mm. but at the same time. Not one of my highlights of this album. Interesting, though, I think, to to look at this album and then look at Duke, obviously, which is the Genesis album that came out next, and they've got that full-side concept ready to go with the Duke suite and then decided not to to do it as a single-side track and split it up across the album. I wonder if that's partly because Mike tried it on this and didn't really succeed 100%. That's definitely a possibility. However, the Duke concept worked Hmm. there was a story arc there whereas on this particular album there may well be i couldn't tell (laughs) you what it is it's Mm. certainly not evident within the tracks it's actually more evident in the title of the tracks than the tracks themselves yes 
Yes, it is. That's that's a good point, actually. I made you a can, good point. Score one! Can, Come on! You can tell the progress of the story. Happens once every episode. I have a point. Uh, but, yeah, it's those shorts are riding up, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i got to get me some new underwear. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's a good point. They, you can tell the progress of the story from the titles of the songs rather than from the lyrics. Yeah, you couldn't get it from the songs themselves because they no. really do sound as separate songs. There's nothing, there's no like, you know when you sometimes get a concept album, you get similar strains yeah. playing through the tracks. So you're, mm-hmm. fa- you're familiar that, like in a movie, when you get a character come on, you get their theme tune coming to the sound. Yes. Yeah, you get that on a concept album. You get similar, and when you get to the conclusion, you quite often get a lot of the sounds that you heard before in the track come into the finale. Mm. Yeah, you don't get that at all on this album. Nothing at all. Nothing on this album draws these tracks together. There's no continuous thread through these tracks musically, lyrically, or tonally. Mm. They're just completely disparate tracks. That's the thing. You think of Duke again. Um, yeah. Pulls it back, doesn't it? It starts yeah. with Behind the Lines, and that's reprised or reprised yeah. from Duke's Travels and Duke's End. It Again, you, you get all the themes coming back into the finale. Yeah. You don't get that in this. There's no. nothing through the previous tracks that tie them together musically, tonally, um, stylistically. So it's an end to the story. It sounds like an end to a story, but you don't mm-hmm. know what the story was, or you don't care. But <laughs> but it's not a it's not a it's not a terrible piece. I'm fine with it. Boring, to be honest. I think he's boring. But there you go. But that's the end. So as a as a concept, then that first side doesn't really work. Not even vaguely. No. I, I, great, I, great I was not aware that it was a concept until I read it. There's yes. nothing in the music, the the lyrics, or the styling that makes you mm. think this is a concept album. So apart no. from the titles, which kind of say there might be a story here, nothing. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. But uh, on the whole, the songs were okay, concept not. So that's the first side. That's your concept side. Oh, that's that all done with. Let's flip the record over what? and listen to the first track on side two, which is called Moonshine. You know, this You're just shows you. This just shows your age because you're flipping the. <laughs> The album the over. <laughs> Nobody does that anymore, Granddad. <laughs>
Well, this one's a nice change of tag from the previous site. Yeah. Nice keyboard intro. Yeah, very menacing, that keyboard intro. I like it that. It is, but this song also feels kind of... I want to use the word modern, but I will be using it quite wrongly. I think, mm. I mean, for the time, it feels yeah. modern. It feels like sounds mm. to come. It uses a similar drum sound to Cats and Rats, but whereas in that song it sounded really dated, it doesn't quite sound as dated in this one. Yeah, Although the boo 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 in it. Miami is a bit. Vice. Yeah. 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 You said you said they sounded quite dull uh, on the that. Cats and Rats track. I didn't think they yes. sounded as dull on this. The one no, thing I found vaguely annoying about this track, and I like mm. this track, don't get me wrong, it's a nice track, is they have no idea what's involved in brewing. <laughs> right? Because the the chorus, turning water into wine till there's nothing left to burn. Now, <laughs> I don't want to get all technical, but you don't set fire to crap to make wine. <laughs> right. How do you turn water into wine anyway? <laughs> well, that's quite interesting. I mean, I will go through the whole brewing process of crushing the grapes. Okay. You sometimes add water to that mixture to, to <laughs> you know, make it. But at no point do you set fire to the damn thing. But that's not moonshine, though, is it? Maybe moonshine, perhaps you do have to light it. You do. Actually, in moonshine, <laughs> you, you boil off the, the liquid yeah. and the residue comes out and that is your moonshine. So you do actually mm. burn it, but that is not wine. It's <laughs> actually something else entirely. Closer. <laughs> That's how you make vodka and gin and yeah. spirits of that nature. Um, yeah. Certainly not wine. You don't make wine that way. That would be a very weird wine. Yeah. Yeah. Distilled wine. Ooh, anyway. <laughs> I don't know what that um, is, but I really want to try it now. You've said that. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I might just made it up. Um, yeah, I really, I, I actually really like this. This was the first track I ever heard off this album. It's a nice um, track. In, in the early 90s, Virgin bought all the Charisma catalogue and they released a load of promo singles. There are about 12 of them, I think. And they had four tracks each from four different artists. Um and almost every single one had a Genesis-related one. So one had Salisbury Hill on, one had a Phil Collins track on, I can't remember which one, um, and one had a Tony Banks track on, and one had a Mike Rutherford track on. It had this this track on it, and I had that um, CD, little three-inch CD single. Oh. Um, I loved this track. I thought this was brilliant. Yeah, so I loved it's this a nice the track. It's another good toe-tapper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apart from the fact that they can't brew to save their lives. I mean, you know, other than <laughs> other than the, it was the inner, inner brewer of me and the inner yeah. enjoyer of alcoholic beverages that screamed <laughs> at this, going, "That's not how you make wine. What is wrong with you, man?" That's not an inner enjoyer. Okay, no, no, no. It's, I think it's pretty much <laughs> a, a common understanding that I enjoy <laughs> to imbibe a drink now and again. Every so often. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for an intervention from you on that one. I'll probably yeah, so, the day you stage an intervention, I'll be down the pub. You know that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be easy to find you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, this is probably my favourite song on the album altogether. Oh, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but it is a good track. I like this track. Did they release this as a single when they released this album? No. Because it is another one that you could quite easily see would be as a single. Yeah. yeah, it would need editing down a bit because I think it's about six minutes long again. But yeah, it's too long for a single. But you know, hey, yeah. maybe take out some of the water into wine things yeah. so that they don't, don't anger too many brewers. But you know, <laughs> hey, other than that, it's fine. 
yeah, I like this track. Yep. It leads on to the next track, which is Time and Time Again. Time and Time Again. Yeah. I've got another lost tape here, but it's not a Genesis one. It's actually from another publisher. Let me just sort this out. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Have a listen to this. I'm so great. I'm so great. You want to touch my body. Oh, yeah. Maybe even touch my bottom. I'm so great. I'm so great. Hmm. No. Maybe I should be doing it as a calypso. Maybe that'll be sound. Oh, reggae. I could do a reggae. George. George Michael, stop what you're doing. I found the sound that's going to make you a millionaire. Is it reggae? No, it's not bloody reggae. Listen to this. Hey, that's my sound. I could take that sound and I could make millions. Girls would scream at me for some reason. And I could make lots and lots and lots of lovely, lovely money. Yes, you're going to be huge. I hope not. I try to keep in shape. Anyway, what about this sound? What about the guy who made this music? Won't he, like, sue me for stealing it? Nah, don't be stupid. Nobody's ever heard this album. Nobody's ever heard it? No, for some reason. He barely sold. We don't know why. It's a great sound. Hmm. Moral quandary. Should I take this sound and make utter millions? Or should I do the right thing and tell this person I'm ripping off his sound? Let's go to the bank! Was that George Michael? It was, yes. It's from his early days, just as he was planning to leave Wham. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just interesting how things come back and how they change the future. So I thought you'd be interested in that one. Yeah, so, so you think this sounds a bit like George Michael then? You know, this is a long time before George Michael goes solo, or even before Wham comes out. I can't, I'm trying to remember when Wham. When was yeah, that time when you walked through town? It was full of people in irritating, irritating t-shirts saying "relax" and and that's not 
That's not wham. I'm saying they were all at the same time. I'm it's trying to think what was on the was on the wham. Well, they just had t-shirts with wham, didn't they? Yeah. So you had all yeah. these. You were going through town. You were seeing these irritating t-shirts everywhere saying relax and wham and there were big t-shirts with just words on um yeah not interesting words just relax and i thought i am yeah. relaxed why are you telling me to relax um <laughs> but you know what i'm saying so there yeah. were all these t-shirts so you were familiar with them and that i seem to think that was about 82 it was 83 84 when wham were getting big yeah so he was ahead of the mm. curve here but i think yeah. This particular track sounds very much like what George Michael did later in his career when he went solo and started doing all the mushy love songs. It really reminded me of those. Not that I'm a big George Michael yeah. fan. I've got all of his albums, obviously. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, who hasn't? Yeah, who hasn't? I mean, you'd be crazy not to. When I was listening to this, I thought George Michael could, could have carried this one off. I'm sure mm. this sounded very familiar, almost like he ripped this one off. I, I, I'm sure yeah. he didn't, but... You know, the styling of this this piece, the way it's put together, mm. um, especially the first part of it, um, it yeah. just reminded me of that. And you just wonder, did George Michael listen to this and go, I can do that? Because that sounds <laughs> quite good. It is very right. prescient, right. I think. Um, I mean, this, this was released as a single, so it's entirely possible he heard it. There you go. But yeah, this sounds like uh, Many Too Many to me from and then there were three yeah there there are aspects of that in this in mm. this um and as you know that is not one of my favorite tracks yeah, which funnily um, enough was written by tony banks not by mike so yeah but i actually don't mind this track i mean it's I it's, all right. it's all right it's not great yeah. and i don't think it lives up to the rest of this album which has quite been so mm. far you know fairly quite light-hearted and quite bouncy in its tracks yeah and this one is a much slower more sort of um, what you play to your girlfriend when you want to get laid. Mm. Or, 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 see, you know. see, to me, it sounds like an obvious attempt to make a single. I would agree with you if this was five years later. Mm. But don't at know. the time, I don't think this is what would have made it in the charts at all. When mm. you consider what was in the charts in 1980, this would not have even blipped because it was mm. so dull we had to wait another five years before this dullness became mainstream. I suppose. I mean, yeah, it, I just I just thought this was okay. I mean, it was okay, but yeah. Yeah, well, we had a lot, you know, give it another four years and we got Spandau Ballet and George Michael and I assume they were all at the same time. I don't know. I wasn't listening <laughs> to the charts at that time. It was all gibberish yeah. and synth-heavy and horrible. Um, but you have this sort of... Faux, I use the word faux because I can't think of another word, but faux love songs. Because there were love mm. songs, but they're so obviously love songs. They were yeah. almost a parody of love songs. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Because they were yeah. trying so hard to be a love song that you couldn't take them seriously as a love song. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of falls into that bracket. It feels yeah. like trying too hard. Um, like I say, it's okay. Taking it all too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't nothing in this that particularly grabbed me? No, nah. to be honest, I'm, it's it's yeah. okay, but a bit dull. Mm. It has its interesting moments. I, I say it, I wouldn't fast well, forward you, over. You it. might say that. You might say that. I couldn't possibly comment. I think you'll find I just did say that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so let's move on. Yes, Next to Romani. Sure. I would be someone who wrote the world 
single. <laughs> Sounds like the start of a Christmas song and then it goes somewhere else after that. Yeah, it starts off with a synth and you think this is going to be a big musical piece again, mm. but then suddenly it's not. Yeah, it's not at all. It yeah. sounds, sounds most like a Steve Hackett track to me. I know yeah. you've not listened to anything other than Voyage of the Acolyte yet, but no. it does change Steve Hackett's sound and it sounds a bit like this. Yeah, I mean this gets nice and lively again, um, but it's a bit disappointing. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. You kind of lose your interest yeah. halfway through. And the only positive thing I have to say about this track, and again, yeah. if this was a track on its own, I would be fine with it. But so mm. far on this album, we've had some really good tracks. Yes. So this one's disappointing by the fact that it's being associated with these other tracks. Yeah. I think I love the nice tempo changes in this. It's got some yeah. really good tempo changes. It keeps you going through this. Because mm. the rest of the track's quite dull, but the tempo changes yeah. make it interesting. So it's it's, yeah. it's interesting for that fact, but that just keeps your interest. It's kind yeah. of a dull track. Again, this one for me is another one that's okay. I don't mind it. Same as the last one, time and time again. I don't mind it, but it's okay. I don't love it. No. I wouldn't skip it. I wouldn't turn it off, but it's not anything special. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, we agree on this one. It's it's okay. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't fast forward it, but again, yeah. this isn't one you put on a best of no. compilation. Best best of Mike Rutherford compilation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, but that leads us on to every road. good to say about this track i think it's rubbish well that's going to put the review quite short isn't it yeah i think this track is slow it's boring i think it's b-side material at best i don't even know why it's on the album to be honest see i, this I, is, I thought even, this was... even including those little noodly bits of music on the first side of the album i think this does this just 
Yeah. I think this one's, this one's kind of Genesis ECC. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of Genesis sort of <laughs> music, but more modern. More modern mm-hmm. for the time it was recorded. I, I kind of like it, not love it. Um, mm. but I think it's a nice vocally led piece. I think it's fine. Yeah. That's a no from me on every road. Fine. Okay, we'll skip on to the next track then. Overnight job. <laughs> here but that does sound like duke's travels yeah it's a nice enough piece and it's quite obviously the end to the album it's a good foot stomper isn't it you've isn't it though yeah I, I yeah. like this it's a nice enough track and yeah. but you know as i've said it's a musical piece and it's quite mm-hmm. obviously the end of the album yeah I, I really like this track actually i think this is probably my second favorite on the album after moonshine i think this is really really good Really? Live I'm quite surprised by that. Track, I, I enjoyed I really it, but like I, I wouldn't have put it there, really. I, I thought it was fine. I like the different changes of key and tempo and where it goes, and I just think it's a really good track. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. Mm. There was there was some interesting yeah. use of um, percussion and, and various other instruments, yeah. which I can't name. Um, <laughs> but I thought it came together quite well. It sounded yeah. like what it was, the end of the album. but And it was... Yeah. It was a fulfilling end to the album, I thought. The best album closers make you want to immediately listen to the album again. Yeah, they want you to start and again. I think, I think this track does that. Funnily enough, that is what I did. Mm. So, yeah, I like this track. Very good. Mm. Well well done, Mike. Very good. Yeah, very good. Nine out of ten, Mike. Um, however, that's not the end of the album, is it? What? I'm just saying, you alerted mm-hmm. me earlier this week to a track that was available on YouTube Yes, that was, in fact, a track that was left off this album, a potentially 13th track. The 13th track. <gasps> yeah. So I'd never heard of this track before. I'd never heard it until this week. Um, and I've only listened to it, I think, once, maybe twice, I can't remember. Um, it was called Compression, and it was the B-side to the first single in the album, which was Working In Life.
listened to this, and the first thing that struck me was it's fine. It's not yes. a standout track by any standards, yeah. but it works fine on this album. If you, if they put this in instead of those musical mm. twinkly bits, yeah, probably which would work, you right, yeah. probably giving you enough time, it would work fine yeah. on this album. Um, yeah. It's not a bad track by any stretch of the imaginations. It's yeah. not a great track. If no, we, if, if it had been if it had been included on the album, we'd have probably put mm. this you know towards the last three tracks that yeah. were your favorite on this album. But yeah. it's a fine track. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's pretty long. It goes on for a bit, but it does at least have the decency to do something interesting and change at about four minutes in. Yeah, it <laughs> and does. Then... It does. But up till that, it is quite repetitive. Yeah. Not repetitive yeah. enough to be dull, but quite clearly yeah. repetitive. Sounds a little bit like a Beatles track to me, or maybe some... That's maybe... uncanny! That was the first thing that came yeah. into my mind as well when I was listening to it. Yeah, I but... thought, God, so the... this sounds like a Beatles lost track. Yeah, that it, or, or a cross between a Beatles track and something from A Curious Feeling, even. Um, Beatling. Just, yeah, A Curious Beatling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was fine. If this had been included on the album instead of those mm. musical bits, you wouldn't have noticed. It would have fit yeah. in seamlessly. It's not like it's mm -hmm. an odd crap track that they thought, oh, this yeah. is terrible. We're never going to use this. They obviously yeah. just thought you know it's running out of time or this didn't quite work with whatever they were planning yeah. i think it worked fine with what they were doing yeah. it would have just seamlessly slotted in there we already played you a little segment of this um but you can catch the whole thing on youtube um yeah. it's available out there and it's it's fine it's a great one if you just listen to it and then add it to your mp3 collection with this album it will fit in seamlessly where would you actually put it i don't know if you if you're going to slot this back in where oh, yeah. would you where would you put it? I'd probably put it about track eight, just before every road. Or that would be track ten, actually. I'd probably put it about there, and it would have been like yeah. towards the end of the album. So we're slowing yeah. down, but we're not dead yet. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. It, you know, as you said, the musical bit in the middle speeds it up a bit, and we get a nice mm. ending to it. It would have went fine three quarters of the way through this album. It would have just slotted yeah. in there. You'd have been fine with it. Well, I mean, it's the fortieth anniversary of the album this year, and they've not done anything with it and apparently mike's not interested in doing anything with it because he thinks there's no market for it haven't they ever bought um, it a cake they could no, have bought it a cake well bear in mind this see this has only been released on cd once in about 1992 and it's not available anymore This is a great album. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. And up until this week, I really didn't like this album. I, I lumped it in with a curious feeling. Didn't like it. Thought it was just awful. Apart from Moonshine, which I, I knew I loved. I just wouldn't have given it the time of day. I haven't listened to it a few times this week. Actually, actually not as bad as I remember it. And I quite like it. Well, as I say, I hadn't heard it till yesterday. Yeah. When I started painting, mm. um, not artistically, as I said, I'm decorating the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and again, there's more paint going on me than the walls. However, <laughs> I got my little MP3 player on, and I played this, and then I immediately mm. replayed it, and I have listened to it probably about nine times now. I'm really 
enjoying this album, getting a real kick out yeah. of it. I think it's fun. Yeah. I think it's nice yeah. and light in places. I think the music is absolutely fine. It's in yeah. some respects it's ahead of its time, mm. considering it was nineteen eighties. It's certainly so different from Genesis in some areas. Um mm. well it is. I mean there's a lot of tracks here that are very up tempo and I'm talking about the first couple of tracks that are very yeah. jolly and light. Mm. Um there's certainly I think Mike deciding to do a solo album here. Yeah. More than Tony has at least tried something different. Yeah, that's the thing. I think. Oh, by the way, the problem. Sorry if you're mm. listening to this tone. We're not taking the. the we're not <laughs> picking on you here. We're just. We're mm. just saying your album was was. Anyway, moving along. You've not listened to the rest of Tony Banks's albums yet. Don't say anything you're going to regret later. <laughs> I think I've probably said a lot of things I, I, I will regret on these podcasts. Yeah. But where, whereas a curious feeling sounded to me like a really bad demo of a Genesis album, to me this sounds like a Genesis album. On reflection, this sounds like a Genesis album. I think if Phil was singing this, I don't think you'd be able to distinguish between this and something like Duke. I think it's the, it is the middle ground between the shorter songs of... And then there were three, and the more proggy, longer songs of Duke. And I think if Phil was singing it, you could you just call it a Genesis album and be done with. I can see what you mean, yeah. but I think this is tonally and stylistically different enough to mm. applaud Mike's effort here for actually yeah. trying to do something slightly different. Although he did fall back into the Genesis mindset on a couple of the yeah. tracks where he was doing the musical bits, and some of them mm. did really sound, especially with the use of some of the keyboards. You're saying it doesn't sound like Genesis, and why that? You mean it doesn't sound like something like Trick of the Tail or Wind and Wuthering. Yes. It does sound like Genesis, but it sounds like the Genesis that is going to come after exactly. this. Exactly. Yes, it does. But at That's this particular I mean. time, it doesn't sound like Genesis. Yeah. If if this album would, was made five years later, it would sound just like Genesis. Mm. So yeah, what you're what it... saying here is that Mike Rutherford is the powerhouse of Genesis. Well, I was going to say exactly that. Everybody goes on about Tony Banks being the, the mastermind behind Genesis and the only indispensable member of the band is, is Tony Banks. But Tony Banks' solo output, not just a curious feeling, his solo output is awful. I understand what you're saying. And as I my standard fallback line here is, you're wrong, mm -hmm. obviously. But so you're saying Tony Banks is the genius behind Genesis? I never said that. <laughs> Nor will I ever say that. What I'm saying here is, you can see, if we look at Genesis musical mm. works from start to finish, yeah. it looks and sounds like Tony Banks had a massive influence in the beginning. Because... His solo album sounds a lot like early Genesis stuff. Yeah. But from this point onwards, Genesis start to sound more like Mike Rutherford. But that's what I mean. If you took Tony Banks out of the band, many people say, well, Genesis wouldn't be Genesis without Tony Banks. But I think if you took Tony Banks out of the band, you'd get an album that sounds like Small Creeps Day. Yeah, def and absolutely, definitely. And indeed, we do in the future come to that yeah. point. Whereas um, if you take Tony Banks out of Genesis and put him on his own, you get an album like A Curious Feeling. And nobody which, ever wants that. Just, it's just derivative and, you know, it harks back to old... Sort of I'll tell you what, the other thing that struck me about this album, yeah. it reminded me... You remember when we did Cast Your Mind Back? Many, many... I'm casting my mind back. Just just, just like that. You don't... Simon, it's the radio... Simon, it's, All right, the, yeah. it's the radio. You don't have to do the fingers thing. Right? Oh, okay. Cast your mind way back to the very first podcast. 
to the very first podcast we did about Genesis. Yeah. Now, nobody wants to listen to that again because we were very raw, very naive, and not mm-hmm. as professional as we are now. <laughs> anyway. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Revelation Station podcast. We're, we're very, very, very happy to be here. And, uh, we want to talk about Genesis. Yes, it was just like that for anybody who wants yeah. to go back that far. It was awful. We can't even stand to Gary, listen to that now. Gary, come into the bar. I need to speak to you. Hold Gary, on. Hold on while I pack I my pipe. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Simon. How are you doing today? I'm just having a sherry. How are you? <laughs> exactly. It was, it was exactly like it was that. almost like we just played yeah. a part of it. Anyway... You remember when Genesis set up? Yes. And they were saying, we didn't really want to do a band. We actually just yeah. wanted to write pop songs that songs, other yeah. people would buy. Hmm. That seems almost exactly what Mike has done with a <laughs> lot of the tracks on this album. A lot yeah. of the tracks on this album are pop songs that mm-hmm. could easily be sold to not just George Michael, but anybody yeah. else. There's some great tracks on here that could be taken yeah. and just sold randomly, and they would be great tracks. Contrasted with Tony Banks's album, where nobody would want to re-record them. Nobody in his right mind would want to. I can't even understand why Tony did. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've d- <sighs> it's horrible, isn't it? Because we've got so much respect for these guys. Uh, because mm. we we love the music they produce. Yeah. They're yes. all amazingly talented. And Tony had the misfortune that his album went backwards instead of thinking forwards. So it, it mm-hmm. sounded dated when it came out. It sounded old school. People weren't yeah. ready for that at the time. Music was changing mm-hmm. and he wasn't changing with it on that album. Yeah. That's probably why it sounds the way it does and why it was received so poorly. But we never should forget that these guys, together oh. and individually, are massively talented. I mean, yeah, exactly. they're Genesis. They're another band. We're not saying these guys are gods. That is purely just Rush. Yes. But you know they're all these guys are talented. They're never gonna do something which is terrible. However, it can be sometimes mistimed and poorly produced. Yeah, and I think that's what happened with Tony. It wasn't that his album was terrible. If it had been mm-hmm. released five years earlier, it probably would have been received much better. Mm-hmm. But I the time, singer. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and better produced. It would have worked. I I said mm. that at the time. Better produ- yeah. better production, better singer. It would have been an at best average, admittedly, album at the time. But <laughs> yeah. them's weren't the cases. No. So he yeah. ended up having a bit of a bum album, and that's Tony that, made decisions no reflection. he made. Yeah, and that's what he came out with. We've we've uh, all been there. We've all made yeah. bad decisions. We've yeah. all been drunk on tequila, and we've all just done things we shouldn't have done. Is this just me again? <laughs> it's just you, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, leaving that and my arrest record behind, <laughs> these things, you know, they're, yeah. they're of their time. And if you don't get yes. the timing right, you end up with something that nobody wants to listen to. Exactly. And unfortunately, Tony went backwards and got the timing completely wrong. Whereas yeah. Mike, as I've said in this, a lot of his tracks sound ahead of the time. Yeah, they do. And I would say my opinion of this album has completely changed and I would now listen to this 
for pleasure, whereas before <laughs> I wouldn't have considered it. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's happy about that review. Hey, I listen to your album now and I don't hate it nearly as much, nor does it leave me as much writhing agony as it used to. Whereas with Tony's album, I would never listen to that for pleasure. Now, if I never listen to that again, yeah. you know, I'm not going to voluntarily choose to listen to that album. Yeah, sorry. So, I, I, I never plan to listen to that again. It's yeah. it's not bad. It's just completely unmemorable. Yeah, exactly. So the leaderboard, the leaderboard. Currently, our leaderboard is number one, Peter Gabriel Carr. Number two, Voyage of the Acolyte. Number three, A Curious Feeling. Where are you going to put this one in that ranking? Oh, <laughs> this this one's really hard. It's mm. I. <sighs> it's got to go in second. It has got yeah. to go second, but part of me wants to go first. Really? There's just that. Uh, I'll explain that. Peter's yeah. first album was experimental and it was fun and it was dynamic and there was lots uh-huh. going on and it kept you interested all the way through. Yeah. However, I just had my toe tapping through several of these tracks <laughs> and it was a. It, there's some, some serious joy going on on this album. Uh-huh. Which well, put me in a good mood. I enjoyed decorating. Mm. I mean, how much more yeah. fun can you have? Maybe it's Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to tell the wife that. <laughs> I think I would put it second. Um, I think previously I would have put it below Voyage of the Acolyte, but I think Voyage of the Acolyte is kind of clouded a little bit for me because I like some of the tracks, but not all of them. Yeah. So I don't listen to it as an album consistently. Whereas this, I think it's a consistent album. And yeah, there's some tracks that I don't particularly like, some tracks which maybe don't need to be on there, but it is consistent in style and in sound as an album. Yeah, so and I don't think there's, there's, there's any tracks that I would skip over when I was listening to it. No, no I don't think I would. So it's, it's, a, it's a good, constant album. So putting that in second then, yeah? Definitely, with a caveat that... I could possibly be persuaded to put it in first. Okay. Well, I wouldn't because I think Peter Gabriel's first album is just a masterpiece. So, let's just say I agree entirely that it's it's styles and concepts, isn't it? Gabriel's mm. first album was a I'm going to throw crap against the wall and see what sticks until I yep. find my voice. This yep. was I'm going to have fun and create something that people will want to listen to. Yeah, I think he succeeded in that. I think he succeeded brilliantly. I say, I hadn't heard this until yesterday, and now I can't mm-hmm. stop listening to it. Excellent. Cool. So next week's album, your homework for next week. Hang on, let me get a pen. I've got to write this down. Go on. It's Phil Collins' oh. Face Value. <laughs> oh, we haven't sung that low. Tell me we haven't sung that low. Face Value's coming your way, baby. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to find us on Facebook, we're also on there. You search for Revelation Station Podcast. If you would like to support the running of the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com, search for Revelation Station, and you can donate the price of a coffee, about $3, and everything goes to the running of my bar. I mean the running of the podcast. Nicely covered. Mm. Mm. If you if you have any issues with this episode, please contact Simon Heldrich on <laughs> Worth a Try. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you got any feedback, you know we're covering Phil Collins next week, so if you've got any feedback on that album, please drop a, drop us a line. Yeah, or if you've got any comments on the episodes we've done so far this season. I mean, we were going to start, as we said, many, many moons ago. We were going to do something else, but we can't do that for reasons of global pandemic. So we're yeah. doing these, and uh, I'm quite enjoying doing these. I'm listening yeah. to stuff I've never heard before. So all good fun. And lots to come. <laughs> yes. But thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we'll look forward to hearing from you, possibly. And yep. join us next week when Simon will be saying... Take care. We love you. Goodbye. He loves a bit strong, saying that again because I think I... it did come across as gibberish yeah <laughs>